0: Listening to the Franchise Podcast Network, presented by Lucky Star Casino. KRXO FM and KRXO HD, Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. We are off to a great start this week already.
1: Firing on all
0: cylinders, my friend. You know, there's a lot of weeks that we come in and the energy is a little low.
1: This this isn't that week. No, I would say you could speak for yourself on that, but I'm already, pr- I'm always primed. Are the you? Pump is ready. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Are you? Yeah. And then you in your in your eornis like <laughs> suck me down, you know. <laughs> well, eornis. Yeah, I-, I love it. Yeah, I love it. That's yeah. fantastic. Eornis. That's what you're gonna. That's gonna be the new name in my phone for you. Dior? Yes. Eor. Eeyore. ornis. Your E. Ornis, E. Ornis. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm having a really hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that in this room between the three of us, I'm the Eeyore of the group.
1: Then maybe you need to look I'm already inside yourself. Goldfish, man. I mean, yeah. He's Goldfish. We can't change that. It's true. You're wild and I'm man. wild man. Can't change that. Can't change By the that. way, winning in the nickname department. I don't know, goldfish is pretty fire. You're winning
0: in the middle name department is really what it comes to. Yeah, down it's legal. To. Yeah. I mean, that is a legal it is. nickname. Yeah. That is Joshua Wildman Stratton.
1: Mm. Still i a...
0: oh, I'm a piece of garbage.
1: Yep. yep. All week. Yep. Every day. Legal. Legal piece that of garbage.
0: Behind the glass is Goldfish.
1: solid flush as always. Full flush today. Full
0: flush, 10 out of 10.
1: The two buttons, not the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Got it.
0: Absolutely. I am Taylor Maples. This is the Outdoor Hour. Our guest this week is Rhett Acker from the Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company, back in studio.
2: Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back, man. I gotta say, I haven't heard that, uh, those sound effects set, so that's well, pretty that, fire. I'm not gonna lie.
1: That tells us you haven't been listening. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, those have only been. And this week's is episode true. is real <laughs> short. Thanks, uh, Rhett, and our next guest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now
0: nah, we uh, we started doing that a little while ago, but Goldfish, you're the man. We appreciate the we do. Uh, the
2: help there. Everything.
0: So Rhett's back with us. You were on. It was pre-deer season. I think it was. September,
2: Yeah, something like that with uh, Wade. We had
0: Wade Farrar from uh, your Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation.
1: Coming in hot.
0: So I re-listened to that episode this morning on my way in. Um, We love Wade. I'm so glad that he was here for the episode. I've called him a couple of times. I've given his cell number out a few times to people over the last few months that needed some help. It's a little less stressful though, doing this episode without his presence in the room.
1: It's commanding.
0: Very commanding. It's commanding. I think the way you articulated it was his biceps are the size of my face.
2: Yeah. And that's not said. a lie.
0: No. But yeah. he does. It just he's got that posture, you know. Just, yeah. When Dude, you're is. in any room with law enforcement in general, but Wade, you know who's in charge. That's
1: no a man question.
2: That is a man. That's a man's man.
1: You do not want him showing up to your violation. That's all I'm saying. You're definitely not outrunning him. No. Uh Uh-uh.
0: In the green jeans and all, he's going to take you down. Hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Legally.
0: Legally, of course. But it's not going to feel good. Well, Rhett, did you have any uh, run-ins with green jeans over the last few months how did it go this year in your thermal drone deer recovery
2: no i i sort of kept them in my back pocket you know yeah we we tried to stay on the right side of green jeans but uh man it went well you know we we um did better than i was expecting you know we sort of surpassed some of our year-end goals and um but yeah no kind of kind of keeping those uh um wardens you know kind of on speed dial there yeah
0: Yeah. well we learned from wade the last time he was here when you were here that they can do a lot to benefit you whether it is just uh connecting with the property owners or the neighbors depending on where animals fall after they've been shot um Definitely, especially for as new as this thermal drone technology is and its application to hunting and game recovery, I think it's really good to have those guys on speed dial and use them uh, as a resource and an asset rather than looking at them um, as an opposition. Because face it, and we've said this in this room before, if you're looking at the game wardens as your opposition, you're in the wrong.
1: Yeah, they're you're they're... probably a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just 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 to be clear. You've probably committed some wildlife crimes. And that's yeah. not a good thing.
2: No, no. So you not know not in my book. <laughs> no.
1: You know? We
0: don't condone that here at the outdoor hour. It, anywhere.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm mm. Not my stamp of approval. Mm Which is you would argue, is a pretty low stamp to get. (laughs) That's saying something. You can't even get
0: Josh's (laughs) stamp of approval on something. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the wrong for sure. Wow. Mm. Man, really letting me know what you think about me. So, Rhett, you've had these drones for a little over a year now, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, You got some pretty good use out of them before deer season. Everything from recovering lost pets to people you know uh, that had wandered off your goal though in all of this process with oklahoma drone recovery company was to get to deer season and start to recover some game
2: um 1st year out how did it go man it was i think it's murphy's law right anything that can go wrong will go wrong yeah oh my goodness man sometimes it felt like we're getting flanked from both sides and then sometimes it was smooth selling you know i guess that's just the Uh, you know what you get into when you're dealing with technology but man it it went good though Um, let
0: me ask it this way you started the season with how many drones
2: we started with three you
0: finished the season with how many drones
2: Uh, you know one and a half or so (laughs) that's a solid number that's a half more than i expected him to
0: say man oh it's wild
1: the drone game you know like, what it's evolved into. I remember the first time I used a drone on a video production, it was the old octocopter, and thing was massive. And, you know, we had to hire these cats who were uh, the drone operators for the ESPN, like X Games and, like, Olympic snowboard stuff. And, Legit
0: guys, like bro. real pilots that know yeah. what they're and doing. and there
1: wasn't that many people, and it was so expensive, mm-hmm. right? Like... To add them to your production budget was just, you're like, well, we just blew that budget out of the water. Um, you know, and they were, n- there was no cameras integrated into these things. You were attaching cameras to them, and, you know, you, you got 150K up in the air. And, you know, and then fast forward when you could get some that were decent, the old Phantoms uh from dgi and i remember man they didn't fly very long at all and
0: but that was kind of the first generation that was accessible to just us as consumers you know, and for even then 800 was, bucks a thousand no, bucks
1: no when the phantoms first came out there were thousands and thousands really? of dollars yes okay um but it was the first like pro consumer model that you could get your hands on that still had decent cinematic capabilities um I remember we were filming in the Keys one time and we would lost track of how long. And, you know, back then you didn't have all this like integrated phone and all of the apps and everything that you do now. And, um, yeah, it just tells us it's dying and it's over the ocean and we're like out. Like, I mean, we just sent a dude like running down the street trying to like hopefully it would get to shore before it died, you know, or. And we'd lose drones all the time. Like that was just like part of it. You are just like, yeah, there's a good chance we lose a drone. We're flying a drone. We're probably going to lose it. I tell
2: you what's cool though is like the ones that they're out now, now. Yeah. Oh, dude, if you lose connection, they just come home. They come home. They just right? come home. And then as they come home, you re, you know re, you regain uh, connection yeah. there. Yeah. It's uh, my Mavic does not do that. <laughs> I've learned the hard way, right? So the first time we lost connection with. Uh, one of these big drones is actually with Jace. We're out um kind of down in that this. That doesn't shock it, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Color be surprised. <laughs> you know
2: You know, it was actually Jace, myself and, and Craig were all out looking for this dog and man we're down in this hauler and there's you know the A hunting dog or No, just a pet. And there's the uh the the dog went missing on this other other side of this hilltop. Well, you lose connection down in that bottom, right? And then so we did. We lost connection, and then my freeze or my screen just locked up, um, and I, I, I kind of had a panic attack. And then that's when I learned at that moment it comes back, and what a relief that was. So that's happened a couple of times. You know, we we try to, we try to be, um, you know, reasonable, but we we often like to push the limits a little bit and getting out there you know what i mean yeah
0: sure yeah. especially because you're on the clock right mm-hmm. people have paid for your services you've probably driven a long ways to get out there Yeah, and a lot of times yeah you, it always feels this way you know as an outdoorsman as a hunter those big bulls are just in the next basin mm. yeah it's got to be right there you know i'm sure it's the it's same way right in recovery there. if you could just that next acre over that's probably where it is mm-hmm. So, man, these drones are really cool, though. So Jace had one for a period of time. Um, He was driving around with it in his truck out at the Leaseland. We had a blast a few nights. Just, you know, he was kind of getting calibrated on the sticks with this thing and learning how to coordinate the spotlight and the thermals and all this it is fascinating technology, and I know you've done a good job on social media this year of kind of helping people in the area see what you're doing and how it works, and you, you drove around with a TV screen in the bed of your truck so people could even follow along with what the camera's doing. If you've never seen these thermal drones, they're sweet, dude. You cannot oversell. Just As a gear guy, as a guy who likes toys,
2: these are sweet toys, man. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm not, you know, there's really no bias in that. I mean, it's just once you see, like once you, like, okay, we brought that TV along, right? Because, you know, folks were kind of looking over my shoulder and then, you know, they weren't really being able to engage with what was going on, right? So we put that TV out and they're seeing the flight path, right? They're actually, um, you know, catching stuff, you know, bringing things up. If there's a red signal over here, you know, there's a lot of engagement going on. And a couple of times, you know, folks have even pointed out you know that red dot right there we go check it out and guess what it's their animal wow. so it's cool that they're able to you know participate but um just them getting hands-on experience seeing what this stuff does yeah that that goes a long way for sure
0: so this kind of goes without saying but just to get a, an established baseline here you were able to find deer with these thermal drones this year
2: yes yeah in fact um you know, it's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, of all of our pilots, you know, we we took um, 107 calls and we're sitting at a 76, 77% success rate. And what that means is <clears throat> that's either finding the deer alive or finding it dead. And what's interesting about this, and wild man, you may like this one, take a guess at what percentage of that 76% were still alive. Ooh, so of
0: the 76% that you were able to locate, what percentage were still
1: alive? Yep. I would say 80% of the 76%.
2: That's a really good guess. What do you say? I'm saying north of 50, so I'll say I'll go 65. On the nose 75%. Okay. We're still we're still alive. You're welcome. Yeah. I was going to say 70, but I didn't want to just you know, prices right <laughs> you and <they're> right underneath. <laughs> we j- oh, and, in fact, you know, I pulled those numbers yesterday. We had a couple calls yesterday. found Found a, a dead deer, so you know that's going to fluctuate a little bit. But twenty five percent of the deer that we found this year were dead. So it's like, man, that's that's pretty remarkable when you look when you step back and you look back at, you know, just sort of what you know. I mean those numbers. I, I truthfully expected more than that to be the case. What it says to me is,
1: take a better shot.
2: Yeah, and is that it? <laughs> is it just bad shot placement? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a double edged question because if I say no, then it's like, well, then why isn't the deer dead? But if I say yes, I make it sound like I'm bashing, you know, folks who can who who are well, you don't have this to answer that this, one, but you know.
1: <clears throat> I mean, I think if, if the lion's share of the ones you're finding are still alive after how you know how many hours did you say?
2: Well, so, um, twenty four ish, right? I mean, that's, that's that's a poor shot placement. That's so, average, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, you could go the other side of this conversation. The twenty five percent that they found dead were not bad shots. Hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying. They were still less they were productive shots. They were productive. So Yeah, I mean
2: I mean here's the thing too is like not all the you know, that seventy five percent, not all of them were obvious bad shots, right? I mean you got some some that They're whitetail, man, those things like... They were like, so resilient, yeah, dude. That's and their that's job. the thing. And here's the thing about it, I mean, um I can't tell you how many deer this year that, that one we found hit in the shoulder, right? Um, or even hit high and that's just a testament of these deer ducking that arrow potentially oh, yeah, man. you know what i mean so it's not necessarily on the hunter and the fact that they're not good shots i mean there's so much there's so many variables that happens from the guy from the time that dude hits the uh hits the release and that arrows in the air the way that that animal you know reacts to that slap if you will Oh my gosh! So much can happen in that time, and I think that's the majority of what we've seen. And of course, you got some, you know, gut shots and things like that. That's normal. But thing is, I mean, if that deer turned at the last minute, right? I mean, and it goes right in that gut. That's just a a case of bad luck, right? Would you not say?
1: Mm, uh, I I would have to have some more information. On average, how (laughs) far was how (laughs) far was the shot that was taken on the seventy-six deer that were did people you know were were they taking shots that were have we grossly overestimated the lethal distance of shooting a bow because a bow can but should we right which is a question that i often have that's that's a good question though yeah that if you were to go back without having the data but i i think it would be a fair assumption that probably a good majority of those deer of the 76 that you found. The person took a shot that was either maybe pushing it. Maybe it was a little too, a little further than they were comfortable. Maybe the elements said that that shot's a little too far, uh, but they know physically they could do it, but they weren't taking in the environmental impact of what's going on around them from, you know, wind, their angle, you know, you name it, right? Um, because what all
0: sight, variables all come into play here, right? Obviously, there's longer flight time for the arrow so that deer has a greater opportunity of not standing where you thought it was going to be standing at the point of impact. Um, penetration has to diminish, even if it's not significant. The further that
1: it's going, the slower that it's going, right? Yeah, I mean, if their arrow weight and, and head weight isn't the you know, perfect – combination of Mm -hmm. this is the most pounds of impact i can get at this distance i'm gonna on average shoot in between this distance and this distance and so if they're not setting everything up with that knowledge and that understanding then they're not getting the most impactful you know impact that they Mm -hmm. can have um and again i think you know the industry itself um what manufacturers want you to believe, um, in how they market their bows and, you know, shoot farther, shoot faster and blah, 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 blah. Well, you're still, you know, there, there's a separation here. This isn't like shooting a thousand yard, 1200 yard shot with a gun where you have the noise, then you have impact, then you have the recall, right? Like there's not this massive separation, And we've all seen it. As soon as they hear that release almost, these deer are moving. And so if that's the case, and if you have trained your deer to be suspicious of all things, like most whitetail hunters have done, then any abnormal sound uh, is going to put them on edge. So I would argue that you need to draw your acceptable distance in quite a bit. Um, to have uh, a successful shot. Now, again, you know, I don't know the, the story on these individual deer. I don't know the story of the, the situation, but my guttural response would be eh, maybe, maybe the situational awareness should come into play. Yeah, I'm really curious, and we got to get a break in here. So when we come back, Rhett,
0: um, I want to learn more about kind of the learning curve for you this year, what you thought it was going to be like using thermal drones for deer recovery compared to what you think it is now. We'll have you tell some stories. We'll get back into some of the legality of this because I know this is a really hot topic just around the state right now. Um, So we'll do all of that ahead inside the Outdoor Hour. You're listening to The Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, and Josh Stratton on 1077 The Franchise. Welcome back inside The Outdoor Hour. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton. Yo, yo, yo. And Goldfish behind the glass.
1: I had to make you wait for it that time. He
0: really did. I did. The anticipation was well worth it, though. Well done. Rhett Acker is our guest this week in studio from Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company. You know, I haven't told you this yet. Um, Would you be shocked, Rhett, to know that your episode we did with Wade Farrar from your Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation... Has been the most downloaded episode of the Outdoor Hour that we have ever produced.
2: I would be very shocked. That is cool. It's got to be Wade. Nah. it's got to be Wade. Honestly,
0: I think it's the technology. I think that That this is a really. That is the top downloaded episode that we have done. That is cool. Yeah. Love there. I think that speaks to just how interested people are in the technology. Mm Um, We were talking about it during the break just now that, you know, early on in the season, you got a lot of calls from people that were interested in it and ended up not using your services for one reason or another. At one point, you were kind of discouraging people from using your services just because you wanted to do what was right for the customer. Mm -hmm, Um, I think you had mentioned, and, and I'm comfortable saying it, the foliage of the eastern part of the state early on in the year was really a challenge for you. Um, what else did you learn this year in your first deer season using thermal
2: drones to recover deer? Yeah, I think that's gonna be the biggest one one of the biggest ones, right, is is you know, drones are very impactful. Early season they're somewhat limited, uh, depending on what region of Oklahoma you're in. Like on the eastern side, as you were saying, um, you know, we were doing calls early on and we quickly realized how difficult it is to find a deer Um, in foliage in our experience you know that's just us and um, so we became very selective in the jobs we took uh, simply to you know sort of protect the integrity of the drone community right and then also our stats so as you mentioned we leveraged a whole lot of different dog um, dog trackers around those areas Uh, Daniel Bacorn Angie Smith down in McAllister use those guys a lot Sent some to Colton, Tippen down in Atoka, um, Ty Chester, and Ardmore. So to me, you know, I think competitions at the bottom, collaborations at the top, you know, being able to leverage um, different sources, resources to put the customer in a position to succeed is by far number one priority. Um, So it didn't matter to us if they used us as the drone guy in October or they used a dog. To me, it was... When you get this deer found, what's going to put them in a position to succeed? Um, and if I didn't feel like that was us, then I would highly discourage them using a the drone. I think that's cool because there are not a lot of people out there
0: that go into this space with that perspective. I think a lot of people, A, want to make the money. B, they want to fly the drones. C, I think they just have the egos. And I think a lot of people think that I can find that deer. Nobody tracks deer like me. Um It's refreshing to hear you say, especially because there is a cost associated to this, Um, and that may be a barrier for some people. But to know that you are selective and that you're going as far as taking on X pins and looking at the terrain given the time of year and kind of making a game plan, you're doing a little bit of triage, if you will, to figure out, is this a job for you and your pilots worth driving across the state for? Is this something that the hunter should be willing to spend their money for you on? Um, and then knowing that there are alternatives if they decide against that, Josh, I know you never miss an opportunity to work in the field with a dog.
1: So, love it. Yeah. Yeah. If my wife would let me, um, I really want some black and tans for a variety of reasons, but, um, one, cause, um, they match the fur that's already running around our house uh with (laughs) rottweilers uh but yeah i would love to get into you know tracking deer uh when people need it but also getting into raccoon hunting and variety of other things that i think uh we've all kind of a good majority of us have looked past and don't have opportunities to do anymore and um and i think that'd be super rad but i've been i've been uh, been told to have to pause i know the feeling which is an understandable request giving a very small yard and a small home and already having three yeah. large dogs yeah
2: Rhett, what else did you learn this year is there anything that surprised you yeah so you know we received a lot of calls on wma ground and you know to my surprise you can't fly you can fly drones over WMA ground if you want to just, you know, provide free services, but you can't make money off the state ground. So, you know, unfortunately for for those calls, we were kind of put in a position where we had to say no because the nearest WA ground to most of us is an hour or so, two hours away, right? So it's just not feasible. So not being able to fly on WMA ground was a little bit of a shock. Um, to us another thing is you know these drones are incredible at picking up heat signatures but to my surprise rocks you don't really fight this on this side of the state but my side of the state rocks retain heat so well throughout Mm -hmm. the day remarkably well Um, in fact one of the first questions I ask when someone calls me on my side is one what's the foliage like not so much now
0: Early mm-hmm. early season, early season yeah. always.
2: What's the foliage like? And then B, are there a lot of rocks? Um, I just did a call yesterday. Ton of rocks, dude. We ended up finding this deer, but ton of rocks. And what that looks like is it looks like um, just specks everywhere. So it makes it ex- extremely difficult on being able to uniquely identify a deer in the thermal. Otherwise, you're just checking rock heat signatures. Almost like thermal static. That's exactly on the yeah screen. yeah essentially. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was another big lesson there. Um, What's another one?
0: You know, when we had you in last time back in September, the big question on the table was, is it legal to use drones and thermal drones that step further to thermals to recover deer? And we had Wade in with us to to cover that. Um, I'm going to show off a little bit here. I did my research. (laughs) <laughs> if anybody's interested in reading the legislation, um, you can find it online. I pulled it up this morning really easily. But it's Oklahoma Statute Title 29, Section 5203.1, and looking specifically for Section C. But it's the hunting with aid portion, and it's, it's basically the headlighting section of the legislation, um, but it deals specifically with air, land, and water conveyances. And that was something that surprised me. And, Josh, you got into it a little bit with Wade on this when he was here because there's so, there's so much variety state by state. And you spend a lot of time out west where a lot of states are starting to ban even trail cams, right? Yeah. Um, and just the impact that has – for Wade to come in here and Which, say— Which, by the
1: way, I'm not suge- I'm not for or against that personally. It's just a movement that's happening. Yes.
0: Yeah. And with it comes unique challenges in those states as a content creator, as a hunter, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, in Oklahoma, not only can you fly a drone on the same day that you're hunting— But you can actually basically bird dog deer with your drone as long as you don't have a method of takeout at the same time. And his rationale for that was that it'd be no different than driving around your property on an ATV. It'd be no different than being in a Piper Cub. You know, the state does not limit your use of these tools as long as you're not using them at the same time as your means of take. Um, that was a shock to me just in the legality of it. But there are some applications in your recovery, right? Because you've mentioned that 75% of the deer you found this year were alive. Those hunters are going to want to go in and pursue those deer, right? If um, they can. If they can, but they are bound by a lot of things as they try
2: to. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, if they can the big, the big uh, point there because, you know, I, I don't know the percentage, but the majority of our calls are at night, right? Mm-hmm. So they're stuck between the we, 30 legal shooting time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't do anything by that. And In fact, you know, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, and, and I, we'll, we'll probably never s- see it come to fruition, but man, um, you know, being able to have this new perspective of, of what you know, these deer are going through during those last few hours of life, you know, typically, you know, previously all you had was, Oh, I shot that deer. Let's go eat some dinner. We'll come back in the morning. Right. And Mm -hmm. you know, you're going about your day, but now having the capability of seeing the struggle, seeing the, you know, just the resilient, you know, just means of trying to live, man, I would, I would like, and I'm probably going to open a can of beans here, but I would like to see, I think Texas, you can go in and, put a deer down right correct me if i'm wrong i may i may be getting schooled here
1: no 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 i i actually don't know i hunt so little in texas that's an area that i'm not uber familiar with their laws but um you know there's um i understand from a legality sense of the wildlife department of like where's that thin line right Mm -hmm. how how are you going to know someone didn't shoot it just now verse i get they that shot you. it yeah. before right that's, yeah i, I think absolutely. that's like the big struggle obviously it would have two two wounds um opposed to just one but you know who who's to say they don't pull the trigger twice right and so i see the rub there because i don't want people hunting at night i don't think it's safe for anyone to be hunting at night um from a just safety standpoint um but I want a hundred percent don't want a deer sitting around suffering for hours that doesn't need to be if you've located it. you know it wasn't a lethal shot the first time it's wounded, and you can end the
2: suffering, yeah, and there were multiple occasions right where um you know early on we found a deer that was swimming in a pond right and and uh he went and bedded down off this on this pond bank and we knew he was gonna die within a few hours. We waited out a couple um he was just on his last leg he you know um you really can't go in and go after him but you know right I mean everything in as a sportsman you want to put that deer out of its misery mm-hmm. right and then you know I can think of other calls where that deer you know is just going to be dead within a few hours but it's already 10 11 12 o'clock and you know they come back the next morning and you know there he is or whatnot but Yeah, and that's probably just a sportsman. That's probably wishful thinking. Again, you know, I I don't expect to see that come into fruition. But um, just having a a new perspective that you've never had before, seeing these deer, you know, go through it, um, will really kind of change your—or it did me—sort of changed my uh, perception on this.
0: I think that—and we're talking especially about bow hunting here, right? Absolutely. Not that you can't make a bad shot with a rifle. sure. But the likelihood of you shooting and not recovering a deer is vastly larger bow hunting than during firearm season, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're all in agreement <laughs> with this. Yeah. Um, as someone who has shot deer with a bow and recovered them, I mean, I've been all over the spectrum. I've I've killed deer that went fifty yards, you know, and you see them go down. I've killed deer that you spend hours and hours and hours with a flashlight at night looking for the smallest pinpoints of blood on leaves. And I've shot deer and spent days tracking that I was convinced were dead, and they show up on cam two weeks later again, alive and well. Maybe not happy, but alive and well, right? Um, Alive. (laughs) Alive. (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
1: Maybe not well.
0: As someone who has experienced each of those things, I hunt differently today. Right? Yeah, Um, that's no joke. (laughs) Because I know how much work it takes, and I know the immense burden that I feel if I loose that arrow and it doesn't go the way that I hoped it would. Right. I have to imagine that having seen the number of Tracks, having seen the number of different circumstances that you saw over the last ninety to one hundred and twenty mm-hmm. days, you've probably got to look at your own hunting a little differently now, moving forward, right? Dude,
2: you couldn't hit it. Yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't have said it better. So I've got, I, I was able to hunt three times this year. I was right? gonna ask you if you even got out three times. Yeah, three times this okay. year, and 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 uh, you know we got ground in Kansas, and and typically I'm up there as, as much as I can get up there, but you know looking back i guess i was i, I was surprised and i'm just going to do a little bit of self reflection in, in the spirit of transparency here i was surprised at my own how naive i was to how easy it is to lo- you know make a bad shot if you will i always assumed all right i didn't really assume i just thought okay you go ahead you make a shot you put it in the pump pump house and then and then you're good right you're good to go hunting this year I was I, I became a little bit paranoid in my own shooting cuz I saw how much could go wrong I mean these these are these are hunters who who are I mean who who have shot some big deer in the past right so they're proven um Jeff Danker's one of them right his dad's one of them right he shot some big deer in the past um, we found some deer for them you know the professionals themselves make these mistakes it, No one's exempt from them.
1: Well, I don't even know if it's a mistake at times, right? Like, I don't even know if that's the right word. I think it's just we're dealing with Mother Nature, right? So there's uncontrollable variables that just come with the pursuit of animals with a bow and an arrow. And you try to minimize those variables to the best of your ability. And then even then, sometimes Mother Nature wins, right? That's exactly and, right, yeah. And it has absolutely nothing to do with skill set. It has nothing to do with preparation. Um, guys like Jeff, who I know personally, and and, and great guy, like he is going to uh, pursue in the most ethical possible way. Uh, he takes it very seriously. And that's just, unfortunately, I think, part of the game when we're talking about shooting animals with a bow and an arrow 100 yeah, percent. yeah and
2: and and thank you for for stating that you know um i i guess i should have said find themselves in this position not so yeah. much a mistake right yeah. it's not like they're doing it intentionally there but um so you know when when looking at my own hunting you know the way i i go about it um I've seen some shots this year that I, I thought were, sure enough, you know, where they told me they hit them, sure enough, a dead deer out there. So, that makes me a little bit more paranoid thinking, my goodness, there's really a lot that goes, a lot more than I realize that goes into this and not just putting it in a general vicinity. How many of you, tell me if you've ever done this, okay? You're shooting your target, right? And, you, and you're okay with an inch or two off and you're like, oh, that's a dead deer. Am I the only one that's done that? No, you, of course not. Right? Yeah. So, it's like... It's instead, instead of tendering it, being okay with a quarter size grouping, right? You got one that's, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of this, three or four inches, like, oh, okay, that's a dead deer, right? Or you go,
1: oh, I remember that shot. I remember I like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I twisted my grip on the you release. You <laughs> yeah, yeah like, exactly. Come yeah. To this means instead of going, okay, my process still isn't honed, right? Um I still don't have the exact – I'm not following the exact same steps every single time. Otherwise, that wouldn't be happening, right? In today's world, you can't blame it on a site. You can't – right? Like, I mean, they're so advanced, the things that we're putting on bows these days, that with proper technique and form, man, you should be burying them, right? But to that, you go and you look at Olympic archers. Right, now, granted, they don't have all the gizmos we have, mm. but they got a stabilizer that's six feet long, you know <laughs> yeah, and even those guys in that moment, something in their form or something in their focus alters, and they miss by millimeters right centimeters that put them out of a metal, and they're ate up about those centimeters, and to your point,- we're like a few inches. Ah, that's good that's a dead, yeah, deer. That's a dead deer right, but, but what what if that's the one you shot, not the four others, right? not the four that were in a close grouping, but what if the shot you actually took on a live animal is the one that wasn't right, yeah, and that's what we should be thinking about is eliminating that oh, that little guy, I wouldn't worry about that little guy, right? We need to go, okay, none of that, none of those that variance is acceptable
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and that's a still target. Right, it ain't moving. No, it ain't moving. It's not
1: going to jump when it hears the release. Right. Yeah. Probably not from a tree stand. You know All the variables that go into this. <laughs> the nerves? Well, and how many of you guys, I mean, I don't, but so I'm assuming most don't. But, I mean, how many of you guys are, I know there are people that do, but, you know, you're shooting from a tree stand in your house when you're, you know, in your backyard. Never. Or, yeah. you know, I know a lot of saddle guys do that a lot. Just mm-hmm. to get you know, because there's such a difference in saddle hunting than tree stand. But um, man, even when I went out to it's the, in the least, hide. right, yeah, the second I stepped in there, I realized I'm not I'm not letting an arrow fly today.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. not as prepared
1: as you thought you were, right? In no way, shape, or form was I going to be comfortable. Get to a place where I felt comfortable drawing in there because it's just a new environment that I mm-hmm. had never um, had any engagement with. There was someone else in there with me. They had a crossbow. And I, I mean, within 30 seconds of being in there, I had made the determination and I told them, I'm not shooting anything today. Whatever comes across is yours. So, and that's a great lesson for all of us and something, you know, practically
0: that we can do is we can go out and set up a 3D target right there at the feeder this summer, you know, and actually practice like it's a game, as
1: they say. I'd love to see Total Archery Challenge have some holes like that yeah you know where you are in a tree stand or mm-hmm. you're in a mm-hmm. saddle or you know add some elements there um that i think would be that'd be super cool additions to uh, what they're already doing since you mentioned it before we hit this break i want
0: to talk about the oaky hide i've been hunting out of an oaky hide for a couple of years now yeah it's the cadillac of deer blinds it was awesome they're really 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 cool, cool. very customizable Um, The things to remember about this is it's 26-gauge galvanized sheeting, so you're not going to get that oil can sound as it blows in the wind. They've got the inside lined with marine-grade carpeting. Um, Their ladders, if you can even call them that, are more like uh, stairwells with railings on one side or both sides, depending on what you need. These things are fully customizable. They're made right here in Oklahoma City, and they're shipped all over the country at this point different floor plans different size platform heights they've even got some in south texas now with air conditioning units in them have you ever been in an oaky hydra
2: no i have not you no. gotta
0: come out and see this thing dude it's cool like i love a good tree stand i think i would love saddle hunting too um but there's a lot of days that, that Okie hide just makes it so easy because you can get away with more movement you know i've taken my at the time 14-month-old daughter out with me and just let her roll around in the hide and hmm. it's a it's a great experience okie hide okie hides. You gotta save that one yeah check them out on social media at okie hides you can find them online okie they're local they're great we're gonna hit a break here we're chatting with rhett acker from oklahoma drone recovery company we've got one more segment ahead you're listening to the outdoor hour on 1077 the franchise <coughs> Now back to the outdoor hour with your hosts Taylor Maples and Josh Stratton on 1077 The Franchise. Ooh, ooh. Welcome back inside the outdoor hour. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton, Goldfish on the ones and twos. And our guest in studio this week is Rhett Acker from the Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company. Man. You said you went out as a company over 100 times this year?
2: Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I think we're sitting around 125, 130 for the first year.
0: I bet you saw some stuff.
2: We saw some stuff, man. (laughs) Yeah, we sure did. I think one of the craziest stories uh, was down in Ardmore. A guy called about a deer he had shot. Um, He's about a 175, 180, and... um, we were there, make a long story short. We ended up seeing his number two buck that he ain't seen in two or three weeks, about a little over a quarter mile back to the southeast. Um, and it was the day before rifle season. Um, so, his boy, that was the boy's number one buck. Uh, but the dad had been hunting this 175, 180, right? That I'm looking for. So, we're admiring this number two buck here. And he's sitting, he's probably about a 150. I mean, he, he's a nice deer. And he's just walking across this big hay meadow, and um, we we watch him for about five minutes, and then we keep on looking. Um, about forty five minutes goes by, and we see this deer cross the road onto their property that we're current that we were currently on. So he's only about one hundred fifty yards from us. The boy's stoked because he's going out the next morning. He's gonna go, and this dude thinks he's gonna kill, kill this deer because he's just right there. Again, they ain't seen him in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're flying. And all of a sudden, you hear, clack, bang, boom, you know? I mean, just tire streak and a collision. And we all look at one another, and we're like, no, dude. So I get the drone in the air. This number two buck had been hit by a car, and he's just laying on the side of the road. I mean, we can see the car down down, down the hill. He's, again, he's only about 150 yards from us. Um so we called the Game Warden. The Game Warden issues us a uh, carcass tag, and the rest is history. We keep flying. We find that 175, 180, he was alive um, with an arrow stuck in him. Um, but it was nuts, just the fact that both deer in one night, you know, we found number one and number two. Number two ended up, you know, getting hit by a car. That that was just uh, – that, that sucked for that yeah, yeah. hunter there. That's rough. Yeah,
0: that's heartbreaking for everybody, for the deer the hunter that sucks crazy yeah, that's though. rough crazy though yeah what else
2: oh man i'm thinking, <laughs> that, that, thinking. <laughs> I'm just like come on no, no. I, need,
0: I need some of this uh yeah juicy drone well so drama. so
2: you know and, and this story's on our facebook um that can be seen but um there's this guy that shot this deer uh caleb smith over at antlers he shot this deer and it was man he got like a 20 minute break right and uh, big giant thunderstorm and uh anyway they can't find it they're grid searching we go and we're flying in this rain dude and and uh we find this thing in like 30 seconds That's the first time we actually flew the drone in rain so it was pretty terrifying yeah and you know not you know kind of testing the limit the limits there like i was saying, saying earlier um and then you know i end up crashing a drone this year uh in an, in another thunderstorm in fact. So I was looking for this buck and I came down to land and there was a wind gust and there enough or sure enough, bam, you know, the uh the drone came down a little bit too hard and you know, limbs were broken and all that all that good stuff, but yeah, it was uh man, it was challenging this year. We crashed uh I think twice, so we were down for like two or three weeks we had, for for one period of time we only had one drone in the air, so um you know, that was that was a hard lesson learned, but we're actually in the middle of trying to expand our team, uh, trying to bring on more pilots. You know, we've got all this data and, and you know, work calls were funneled through, and, and we're trying to target those areas and put drones in those specific areas and build a team around that drone. So we're wanting to bring on another two or three drones put in Oklahoma, so we're going to be building a team. So if anyone's listening and they want to join our team, um, we'd love to sit down and talk with you.
0: Yeah, how can they get a hold of you?
2: They can reach out through Facebook or um, www.oklahomadrc.com, or you can, uh, where you'll find our email, our phone number, um, things of that nature, but uh, we will be hiring soon.
0: Have you gotten deep enough into that data yet to know specifically what areas you're looking for pilots in?
2: Um, yeah, so we've we've got all of our data collected. I just have to go and sort of you know categorize it sure I I have my suspicion but I'm not going to voice those yet
0: yeah but if you're looking that's that's really cool I know like we've mentioned a couple of times Jace Brewer flew for you a little bit this year and just even getting to be around the drones and see actually how they work with my own eyes is pretty cool man to watch you know driving or flying early in the year the foliage yes made it tough but to be able to see deer on the hoof is a special thing any way any time you get to do it especially when you see your target bucks Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff but any deer movement is just really cool with those thermal drones so um, I can appreciate why you would want to do what you're
2: doing man man it's rewarding you know and and I know we're talking about the deer aspect but even finding folks cattle or even the dogs man that's that's some of the most rewarding work I think I've ever done is you know you have a dog that's been missing for four or five days and and you go out there and you locate it, and uh, you know reunite it to the owner. Man, that, in that moment, there's just nothing better than that, you know. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, man, we uh, we we had a we had a great year. We learned a lot of lessons, um, things to do better on next year, things that we probably should not do next year. Um, but you know, at at the forefront of our business plan, it's always treat folks with respect. I know there's a lot of controversy around. The drones early on this year and and their effectiveness and you know looking at the data now having having what we collected i think it's safe to say that there's a space for them um i think i think they're a valuable tool that can help the hunter um so you know we're we're looking forward to seeing what 2024 brings
0: that's really cool we'll have to have you back again next year Uh, maybe even do a refresher get weighed back on and talk through some of the legality if any of that has changed uh, but really cool, man. Rhett, thanks for being with us this week.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Josh, how's things at the fly shop?
2: <clears throat>
1: They're good, man. Yeah. They're good.
0: Yeah. You guys were busy. I was in there. For how cold it was? Oh, yeah. That was Saturday. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, Snowing. Pushing rods and all kinds of stuff out. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, tying classes are in full swing as they normally are every month with uh, Steve and Tom and uh handling a good amount of that and we got some international trips coming up uh i don't know how many spots are left on those and um ironing out some details on some smallly trips here in oklahoma in the spring and summertime and uh anxious for the farm pond season to jump back up and and uh be able to open those trips back up start taking people to some of the great uh bass ponds we have around the state and um got some howler stuff on sale as we look at kind of end of season with them and excited to see some new product rolling in here before we know it. So if you're there's some great deals going on at the shop, looking for some gear, um keep you warm in this uh winter and uh swing by, pick something up before it is gone because uh spring shipments will be arriving before we know it.
0: I picked up a couple of new Howler Brothers pieces of clothing while i was in there over the weekend yeah this jacket i've got behind me here one yep. of them i also got those uh they're like did you get the, pants? Sweats, you did get those the sweatpants yeah. the minute i get home
1: they're on they're on i have expected you to be wearing a mirror you know i have
0: thought about it this morning yeah. i won't yeah. lie those things are the warmest you know, if I get out and shoot some ducks or something this year, they're going to be on under the waders. Oh, like, yeah. Those are legit. They're awesome. Yeah, and they're kind of tapered down the leg, so they'll yeah, fit like really the good in the Yeah, and everything yeah. on the bottom. Yeah. yeah.
1: Great yeah. for uh, actually getting out there and using them.
0: So I'm not having to fold over the pant leg and duct tape it around my yeah. ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. They, so.
1: Turns out they thought about it.
0: They did. They thought through it. And they're good. Yeah. This is the outdoor hour on 107.7, the franchise. Joshua Wildman Stratton. I'm here. I'm loving it. Goldfish, Maddie Gold Branson behind the glass. And our guest this week from Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company, Rhett Acker. Rhett, thanks for joining us again, man.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure.
0: One more time, give us your social media handles so people that want to go see some of those stories, kind of follow what you're doing, and even just have a quick way to connect with you, whether they're needing to locate a loved one, a pet, cattle, or here in eight and a half months, a big trophy buck.
2: Absolutely. Facebook, Oklahoma Joint Recovery Company, Instagram and TikTok, Oklahoma DRC. Website, www.Oklahomadrc.com. That is
0: Rhett Acker. I'm Taylor Maples. This is the Outdoor Hour. Thanks for being with us. You can find me on social media at T underscore Maples. Josh is at against underscore current on Instagram. You can follow the show page on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Outdoor underscore Hour. That's going to do it for us this week inside the Outdoor Hour. We will see you next time. Until then, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.